Pastor Chris's podcast. Well, it grieves God's heart when there is disunity among his people. His desire is that we would all be united in love and also in obedience to his word. But we also see in scripture that God never sacrifices truth for the sake of a false unity. If there is to be unity, it must be a unity where people agree to worship and obey the Lord in spirit and in truth. When obedience and truth are at stake, it may be God himself who's the one that divides people for the sake of the truth. Last week we saw how Abram and Lot went their separate ways. Today I want to study another passage about a division among God's people in the Holy Bible. This was a division between David and Saul. A little background. Saul was the first king anointed to rule God's people in Israel. The people wanted Saul to be their king because he looked like a king. He was tall. Have you ever heard the expression, someone is head and shoulders above everyone else? Did you know that that actually comes from the Bible? That's where we got it from. Because it says Saul was head and shoulders above everyone else. Saul's physique inspired people to follow him into battle and to fight Israel's enemies. You know, and they needed that because there were so many different people surrounding them were constantly raiding the villages of Israel, and they needed a king that could unite them and lead them in battle. And they looked at Saul and they thought, that's the kind of guy we need to lead us in this time. But Saul's heart was not right. He was more concerned with what people thought than what God really wanted. He was always getting caught up in trying to please his constituents, even if it meant disobeying God. And so God rejected Saul and chose David to replace him. David was an unlikely king. He was the youngest of all of his brothers. He was always overlooked by the family. When the prophet came to evaluate Jesse's sons to decide which one of them might be the next king, they didn't even invite David to the table. They left him out in the fields watching the sheep. David wasn't the kind of person that they thought would make the right, make a king. He wasn't tall. He wasn't physically imposing like Saul. At the time he was chosen, he was just a young, young man, very, not even fully formed and fully mature. But David was a man after God's own heart. David trusted God with his whole heart and always cared what God wanted more than what everyone else wanted. David was the kind of man who would obey God even if no one else wanted to, even if it cost him. So one day, God sent the prophet Samuel to call Saul out for his disobedience and to tear the kingdom of Israel out of Saul's hand in a dramatic display. Saul had just won a battle against the Amalekites. So there was that. It was a, a time of victory. But Saul won the battle, but he disobeyed God afterwards. Saul kept the spoils of battle, even though God specifically told him to destroy everything. Saul's army was greedy. They thought 
It would be a shame. What a waste to destroy all of the plunder from the army that had been defeated. They wanted to keep the loot for themselves. And, you know, I'm sure Saul thought the same thing. I mean, why waste all of that good stuff? Why not let him be enriched by this loot as well? But God had told him to destroy it all. And Saul listened to his army and his own heart instead of God. And so God sent the prophet Samuel to call out Saul's disobedience. And we pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 15, and we'll start in verse 24. Then Saul admitted to Samuel, Yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command, for I was afraid of the people, and I did what they demanded. But now, please forgive my sins and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. God is patient, even in the Old Testament. You have to remember that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament, they're the same God. So if we think of God today as a God of grace and a God of mercy and a God of patience, that's the same God that was dealing with Saul in the Old Testament. He was patient. And, it, and, and it's good to remember that because it's not like God just rejected Saul because of one mistake that he made. This wasn't the first time Saul disobeyed God. Saul had already disobeyed God repeatedly when we, by the time we come to this passage. This time was the last straw. And to make matters worse, Saul is not really even sorry about what he's done. I mean, he says he's sorry, but he's really not. He is still more concerned with what his people will think than he is what God will think. I mean, how's it going to look if you win a battle and then you go to have, to honor God and the priest of God, the prophet of God won't even come help you with that service. He's, he doesn't want to be embarrassed. He doesn't want to have to face this shame. And God is in the midst of calling Saul out for disobeying battle orders. And the most important concern in Saul's mind, is saving face in front of his army. He wants Samuel to join him in a public worship service, probably something to honor Saul and to honor his army for their victory over the Malachites and to honor God as well. But Saul is not taking his sins seriously. And he doesn't even really care that he has already dishonored God by his disobedience. And so the irony is, he wants to have a, a worship service that honors God when he has just dishonored God by being disobedient. So it doesn't make any sense. To Saul, worshiping God is just a show. It's just something you're doing for people to see. It's not really a matter of the heart. He doesn't even really care about God. All he cares about his public relations, and his own position as king. And then in verse 26, it says, But Samuel replied, I will not go back with you. Since you have rejected the Lord's command, he has rejected you as king of Israel. As Samuel turned to go, Saul tried to hold him back and tore the hem of his robe. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to someone else, one who is better than you. 
And he who is the glory of Israel will not lie, nor will he change his mind. For he is not human that he should change his mind. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And so God tore the kingdom of Israel away from Saul. Not just because Saul was disobedient, but because Saul's heart was not right. He cared more about pleasing people than pleasing God. And so in the next chapter, chapter 16, we find God sending the prophet to anoint David to be the new king of Israel. David will be faithful to God. He won't always do the right thing and he will make some pretty big mistakes on his own. But the thing that was different about David is that his number one concern was his relationship with God. That's what he really cared about. That's what made him a good king. And, he, and God told the prophet Samuel, when, when he went to, to, to anoint David, he said, don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I, for I have rejected all of his brothers and I've rejected Saul. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. In the world that we live, we will always be tempted to go along with the world's values. We want to belong. We want to fit in. But the world is not always right. The world is corrupted by sin. And part of the healing process for our souls as we follow Christ is learning to trust God more than our own selfish desires to fit in in the world. Sometimes our call to keep our hearts aligned with God means turning away from people or groups in this world. Even Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 51 through 52, he said something that, that really strikes us. And, and it seems weird because we call Jesus the Prince of Peace. And yet in Luke chapter 12, verses 51 and 52, he says, Do you think I've come to bring peace on the earth? No. I have come to divide people against each other. From now on, families will be split apart. Three in favor of me and two against. Or two in favor and three against. Father will be divided against son and son against father. Mother will be divided against daughter and daughter against mother. And mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. But you see, the very existence of Jesus causes the potential for these kinds of divisions. Because Jesus claimed that he is absolute Lord of all. And so people have to choose if they receive him as Lord or if they will not. And if Jesus is your Lord, there's always going to be someone who thinks he is not. And so you're going to be on different sides of that issue. It's not that Jesus wants to divide people. He wants everyone to accept him as Lord. But there's always going to be some who will not. And so there will be division. And sometimes those divisions will even come between very close relations. People that really are close friends, maybe even relatives. Has your heart ever been torn in two? 
because someone you care about deeply has turned away from you because you disagree about something that's one of your core values. Maybe it's about the kind of behavior that is acceptable in your life or in the life of your friends. It could be because you are a Christian and they are not. Sometimes we can live together on those things, but sometimes people just won't, won't allow that to happen. And I know that when it, when it happens, when that division comes, it hurts and it breaks your heart. But if your heart is right with God, then you've done the right thing. You have to be sure what you believe and who you are and whose you are. You can't make other people's choices. You can only be responsible for yourself. There are many hearts that are breaking in our current divide between the life of faith and the corrupt values of society. Many of you, I know, are facing these. I know you are because I'm one of you. You, do, you know, I don't live in some sheltered place where I don't have problems. I, I have the same kinds of family and friends that live in this American society as you do. And sometimes my calling to follow Christ leads me in one direction and people see it and they think they just have a problem with it. And I know that when that happens, it's hard. I've lost friends. I've even lost relatives who've, who've decided they're no longer going to speak with me. because Not because I'm being mean, simply because this is what I believe and this is what I'm standing upon. And I know that that's happened to you or it will happen to you. I know you've had discussions sometimes and I know it's hard. It's hard when someone you care about says your religious beliefs are ignorant or outdated or hateful because they disagree. But you believe in what the Bible says and teaches. And Jesus wants you to know that he sees what you're going through and he cares and he honors you when you are faithful and obedient, even when it costs you. I think about so many churches in the United Methodist tradition right now as well. Many churches across the state of Georgia are divided. Some 70-30, some 60-40, some maybe even 50-50 divided about whether the congregation should disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church or stay in the United Methodist Church. Some who agree with some of the new decisions the denomination is making and some who do not. In those churches that are so deeply divided, you realize no one is ever going to be happy. Many of those churches will be torn apart, whether they stay in the UMC or they leave it. Because when your church is divided 60, 40, 70, 30, there's always going to be a certain percentage of the congregation that just doesn't agree. Maybe to the point that they would leave. I don't want that sort of thing to happen at Pleasant Grove. And I don't think it needs to because I think we're more united in our core values than most churches. We have hearts that want more than anything to align with God and his word. But even if we lose one family or just one person through this transition, it will hurt. It will be painful because we love each other and we care about each other. 
Yet we must be faithful to God. And it is also very important that we work to strengthen the ties that bind our church family together. And I want to ask, what are you doing to help strengthen the ties within our congregation? What can we do? What can you do? But let us be willing to give up anything, but never let go of God. Let us walk away from any relationship, but never walk away from God. Let us be torn apart from any group, any political ideology, any, anything at all, any faction, any denomination, but never be torn apart from God. Let us rend our hearts in sorrow at the loss of friends or family or church members, but let us always rejoice that we remain faithful and true to God and his word. For in the end, our relationship with God is the only thing that really matters. It is the only thing that is eternal. All these other things will melt away. But we can learn yet one more thing from the story of David and Saul. As you can imagine, it wasn't an easy life for David to be chosen as Saul's replacement while Saul was still king of Israel. This was a very dangerous position to be in. Very dangerous for David. Saul grew more and more jealous of David and more and more paranoid for his own position. Saul went mad trying to hold on to power and a kingdom God had already torn away from him. And Saul chased David around the countryside, trying to kill him again and again. And David had at least two opportunities to exact revenge and kill Saul himself, to do away with the problem. But David refused to take matters into his own hands. David would let God work out how to finally take the kingdom from Saul and give it to David. That was God's business. But through it all, through all the difficulties that David faced for years as a fugitive running for his life from Saul, God always took care of David. And so David could write about God's sheltering protection in one of his most beautiful Psalms. Psalm 64, in verse 10 it says, The godly will rejoice in the Lord and find shelter in him. And those who do what is right will praise him. You remember that. Through whatever struggles or pains or sorrows you face because you're trying to be faithful to God. God is your shelter. He will take care of you when you do right. And you will be able to praise him. Now, would you close your eyes for just a moment and think about what God might be saying to you today? Have you experienced pain, sorrow, loss, because, simply because you were trying to do what was right? 
In what ways has your faithfulness to God caused divisions in your life and your relationship? And how can you seek shelter to protect you from pain and sorrow and even real harm? And finally, I want you to just imagine that God, our Heavenly Father, is with you. And He's sheltering you beneath the shadow of His wings. He's enfolding you in His arms. He is pleased that you are more concerned about doing what is right by Him than anything else. And He will protect you. He will honor you and he will prosper you as you are faithful. Let that encourage you today. In the name of Christ, amen.